Come on, somebody. I'm Darren. I'm one of the pastors here at Focus. And today we are starting a brand new series called Greater. Everybody say Greater. I just am excited about what God has for us. We're at this series that we're going to be in, it's based off of an amazing pastor, author by the name of Stephen Furtick, and, and I love this book, and I believe that this book has amazing potential for each and every single one of us. I believe that, that through this series that there is potential if, and this is a big if, if we don't just sit back and that we are passive listeners during this series, but if we become active participants in this series, that we become active participants in what God has for us during this series. And you think to yourself, well, well how do I do that? How do I become an active participant when you're just up there talking and I'm learning? Well, that's the great thing about what we're doing in this series. What we're excited about is that for the next four weeks, that we are going to talk about what God has for us, that he has a greater life in store for us. And then five weeks following that, our focus groups are going to dive even deeper into what God has for us. We're going to dive even deeper and we're going to apply what we are going to learn. We need to actually apply it to our lives and we need to become active participants in what God has for us. Don't just sit back. Don't just wait for it. Become a participant because I believe, I believe that you have, if you become an active participant in this, that you are going to be part of a movement of God. Amen. Let me ask you this question. Anybody in here want to be part of a movement of God? Yeah. Come on, somebody. Then let me encourage you. For the next four weeks, lean in. Lean in and be anticipating every single week God, I know you have something for me. I'm not trying to manufacture a movement. I know that my God is already on the move, and I'm just going to catch the wave and be part of it. My expectation is to be part of this. My hope and my hope for you is that you will have an expectation to say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm done chasing after everything, and I'm ready to just be part of a movement. That's what my hope is for you but you have to make the choice yourself. My hope is that you will, but you have to make that choice yourself. Uh, if you've been around our church uh, for any period of time, or if you're just getting new to our church, let me just say to you that we're so excited that you're part of what God is doing right here. And if you're here for an extended period of time, I'll tell you what, there's going to be a verse that you hear us talk about a lot, and that is John 10, 10. One of my favorite scriptures in all of the bible jesus said this he said you know what the thief the thief has come to kill still and destroy he said but but i have come and jesus gives us his purpose for coming right here in this statement he said i have come to give you life come on somebody he has come to give you life and not just any kind of life not just the simple kind of life he has come to make it the kind of life that you have to the full Anybody want to have a full life, right? But here's the thing, like the way that this is translated in the NIV, it doesn't even do it due diligence because the original language that, that the word that is used there is parasos. Somebody say parasos today. 
love that word parasauce, man. I love it so much because I love Chick-fil-A, and I love the Chick-fil-A sauce, and one sauce doesn't do it. You need a parasauce. Come on now. So I love that word. And that word, when it's translated, means exceedingly and abundantly. The kind of life that God has planned for each and every single one of us. Hold on a second. It's not just a, it's not just a, a dream. It is the purpose that Jesus had to come and give you a life that is exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ever reach on your own. Exceedingly and abundantly more than the American dream. Exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even handle. That it overwhelms you and overflows to all those around you. It is so full that it overflows to the world around you. That's the kind of life that, has, that God has planned for each and every single one of us. Come on now. Now, here's the question that I have for you, though. Is that the kind of life that you're experiencing? Is that the kind of life that you're living exceedingly and abundantly more? See, I want to say this. I want to say this in the most challenging and love-filled way that I, I can. I don't want you to feel like there's condemnation or guilt that's involved in it, but I want to say it strongly so that you can grasp hold of it and understand that this comes from a very loving and a challenging way. Let's stop talking about a parasauce life and let's start living a parasauce life. Let's stop talking about it and let's start living it. See, because my fear for all people, but my fear more for people who have said yes to Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, my fear for each and every single one of you is this, is that you are not in danger of ruining your life, you're in danger of wasting it. I believe that we have just got to the place where we just settle. Well, it's just what it is. It's what life is. A parasol thing we're talking about that. Because here's the reality. Is for us to actually begin to experience parasols, for us to experience the life that God has for us, exceedingly and abundantly more. It's available for each and every single one of us. But it requires something. It requires you to change. It requires you to change. The movement of God will require you to change your life. See, the reason why I believe that we're too busy, we're too busy talking about the parasauce life that we're too busy dreaming about the parasauce life, that we're asking for it. But here's the reality, is that what we're really truly asking for is just different results. God, give me different results for the way that I'm still living. I want to see a different result, but I don't want to make the change. 
to see the different result. We're not in fear of ruining our lives. We're just in fear of wasting them. Because we just expect God to give us a different result for the same formula that we've been living our life. Let me tell you something. Two plus two will always equal four. Your choices and behaviors will always equal the results that you've already got. If you want to continue on that path, then that's the path that you have. But don't expect to see different results. If you truly want to be part of a movement of God, you have to change your life. You have to change the way that you live. You have to change your idea of what is acceptable and you need to bow down to the ultimate authority, which is God. Like I said, that's not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to say that in a guilt way. I'm not trying to say that in a, in a way that brings condemnation to you. I'm trying to say it in a challenging, loving way, but in a strong way so that you truly understand it. Grasp it. Because I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of talking about a parasol's life. I want to experience a parasol's life. Not just in my life. I want you to experience it. Why? Because I know that that's the purpose that Jesus had when he came to this earth. Was to be able to, to give you that kind of life. That you can experience that on a day-to-day -day basis. That you're living in his spirit. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Does it just raise from you, real from the dead? But it lives and resides in you right now. So why would you not get, grasp hold of it? Instead, we just waste it away. Let me tell you something. God's plan for your life is exceedingly and abundantly more than your plan. It's exceedingly and abundantly more than the way that you're living right now. God has a plan that is greater for you. Somebody say greater today. Greater. It's greater for you. John 14, 12 says this. Very truly, I tell you. And so whenever you see that in scripture, whenever you see Jesus say, very truly, I tell you, it means this. I'm not lying. And you need to listen. Like this is rock solid, absolute truth that I'm getting ready to tell you right now. Very truly, I tell you. Whoever believes in me, come on now. Did, did he say uh, only a select few that believe in me? No. Did he say uh, only those who choose to be in full-time ministry and be a pastor? No. This is available to every single person that says yes to Jesus. What? This kind of life. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater. Somebody say greater today. Greater, greater things than these. God has in store for us a greater life. But yet we find ourselves just settling. Because I think that what happens is that we either settle or we become completely frustrated I don't see this happening, and so I'm either settling or I'm getting frustrated. And why am I settling, and why am I getting frustrated? And I believe it's because of the mindset that we have. 
the mindset that we have will cause us to either settle or it will cause us to get frustrated. And there are two different mindsets. The mindset that will get us to a place where we just settle is a mindset of just simply good enough. That we settle for just good enough. What do I mean by good enough? It means that we're just surviving. I'm just trying to survive life. I'm just trying to get through life. I'm just trying to make it from day to day. It's survival mode. This is baseline living. Simply settling. And then you can see right there too that that mindset that gets us so frustrated because we haven't seen it come through is because we're constantly in a place of greatness. It's either a mindset of good enough or it's a mindset of greatness, which is this, it's striving to consume more, right? Like I think that this, this life, that this world has, I just need to consume more. More means that I'm doing, I'm going for greatness. That's just fairy tale, isn't it? It's not gonna, it's fiction living and they lived happily ever after, said no one, Right? But yet that's what we're spoon fed since we were little kids. And so we have this idea of greatness and it leaves us in a place where we are constantly frustrated. Which I see in the generation coming up because for so long we had people just saying to every single person, you're a world changer. And I haven't changed the world. So that must mean that everything that that person said to me was a lie. And it's this place where it leaves us just frustrated. Either I'm settling for good enough or I'm frustrated because I haven't seen greatness happen in my life. But for us to truly experience that parasauce life, God has a better mindset for us. Not good enough and not for greatness but to go after greater. Come on, somebody. Somebody say greater today. What does greater look like? The greater kind of life and the greater mindset is this. It's thriving. I'm not surviving and I'm not striving for more. I am thriving in the life that God has for me. The abundant understanding of God's purpose in my life. I want to be able to focus on God's purpose for my life. That way, I'm not constantly searching for other things. I'm not constantly striving for more. I know the purpose that he has for me, and I am completely, singularly focused upon that purpose. An abundant understanding of the purpose that God has for me. Exceedingly more than I can see myself. It's more than what I can see inside of myself, because there are many times that I do find myself settling. I do find myself frustrated and then i need to make sure that my focus is back upon what god has for me i know that he sees more inside of me than i see inside of myself and so i'm not going to deviate from that purpose and that plan that he has for me we're going to strive and we are going to thrive in a greater somebody say greater today greater. come on church that's the life that he has planned for you let's stop settling Let's stop talking about a parasauce life and let's start living in a parasauce life. Does anybody want to be part of a movement of God today? Come on. Let's do this then. And if that's what you want to do, if that's what God, like you're like, you know what? I'm with you, pastor. I'm sick and tired. I've, I've talked about it for too long. We've settled for too long. Enough is enough. I'm ready to make some changes inside of my life. 
then I'm telling you what? Lean in. Don't, don't lean back. Don't be too cool to say, you know what? I'm, yeah, I've heard it all before. I'm good. Lean in. Take some notes and get prepared for the movement of God that is already taking place. Join the wave. Get ready. So what we're going to do over the next four weeks is that we're going to look like at a specific person at a specific time in history. And we're going to see the choices that this individual made and how he responded to a special moment inside of his life. And we're going to look at how he did, how he responded, and the changes that he made. And then we need to become active participants ourselves and begin to implement those same choices inside of our life as well. The person that we're going to look at is a prophet known as Elisha. His name was Elisha, and we can see his story begin to pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to look at that, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah, not Elisha, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, I want to pause right there and just say, this is a man who was just out working the family farm. Just an ordinary guy out working the family farm. There's nothing really special about him. He, he grew up in just a, a hard-working, blue-collar family trying to make a living. That's who he is, just an ordinary person. But he had a special moment that just happened. And this is the special moment during his ordinary life. And he himself was driving the fifth pair, and Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, Elijah was a prophet of God. Elisha is just plowing the field. And this prophet of God came up to him and threw his cloak upon him. Now, really, what this means is, is that Elisha has a special moment where he is called of God to be part of a movement of God. Here's what I know. I know that there are many of you that might be like me, who is just an ordinary person waiting for a special moment. Anybody ready for a special moment of God? I'm ready for a special moment of God. If that's you today, and you've been waiting for a special moment, guess what? This is your moment. Because this is what this moment was for Elisha. It was a man who followed God that called him to a greater life. I'm just a man who follows God who is calling you to a greater life. This is your moment. How are you going to respond to that moment? How did Elisha respond? Verse 20. So Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Come on now. Elisha didn't say, well, you know what? I need to really think about this for a little bit. That's not what he did. Uh, Elisha didn't say, you know what? I need, to, I need to pray about it. I need to make sure that this is the right thing to do. I need to really make, I got I to gotta go to my Excel sheet and see if this is the plan that God has for my life. You know, like, no. What did he immediately do? He ran after the movement of God. He ran after the moment presented itself and he ran after that moment. 
Your moment is right now. How are you going to respond? You going to sit back or are you ready to run? Anybody ready to run today? I'm ready to run after what God has for me. When there's a calling, I am already prepared. I am already prayed up. And when the moment presents itself, I'm ready to run. My hope is that you're ready to run today. If you want to be part of the movement, you got to get moving. Start running. Follow what Elisha did and start running after what God has for you. The moment is right here. How are you going to respond? And he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, and then I will come back to you. Go back, Elijah said. What, what, have, I had, what have I done to you? Right? What, what's the big deal? He was waiting to see if there, was, if there was truly movement inside of Elisha. And then something very powerful happened. Elisha runs after him, and then he makes another choice. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back, and then he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Man, that's a word right there, isn't it? Like it that just puts a picture in my mind. He's, anybody? You're like, it didn't until you just said it, right? Like, he slaughtered the oxen. Man, that is a mess right there. Well, how about he just, uh, he got rid of the oxen. That's a little bit. He slaughtered the oxen. And then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, and he gave it to the people, and they ate. That doesn't make any sense at all, right? Like that, you could have, you could have done something different, like in that moment with all of this equipment, right? Like you could have, you could have taken the oxen, and like there were 12, it said that there were 12 sets of, of oxen that were around. And there were, so there were 12 other people, right? Like, and so why didn't you just say, hey, uh, I've got these oxen that I'm not going to be using anymore. Do you want them? And I would have been like, yeah, thanks for the blessing, right? Like, did you have to slaughter them, you know? Or what about even the, the plowing equipment? Like, that's expensive stuff at that time, right? Why couldn't you have donated that to Goodwill or something, right? Like, there's got to be some migrant worker that would love to be able to have that plowing equipment. This seems really extreme, and it is. It absolutely is an extreme moment for him. And it makes no sense on a practical level. Because slaughtering his oxen and burning the plows, that, didn't, that has no practical value at all to him or anybody else. But spiritually, it's everything. There's no practical value, but spiritually, it meant everything. The way that he responded is he burned the plows the way that i hope that you respond today is that you're going to burn your plows somebody say burn your plows my hope for you today is that you're going to run after the moment that has already presented itself right here and right now and not only run after what god has for you you're not only going to run after the movement of god you're going to run as if there's nothing left to run back to burning the plows leaves you nothing left to run back to. You're going to leave your life of comfort. You're going to leave your life of security. And God, I'm going to completely trust in what you have for me. I'm ready to burn my plows. Somebody say, burn your plow. How are you going to respond? I'm sick and tired of talking about a pair of sauce life. 
I'm ready to experience the Parasaw's life. And I'm going to here to tell you that if you want to experience the Parasaw's life, you got to burn your plows. you got to run after the movement, and you can't leave anything behind. There's no choice that we have. I'm leaving the old life, and I'm going after the new life that God has for me. you got to burn your plows. Well, what does your plow look like, right? Because I, no, I, don't, I, mean, I don't have any oxygen or burning plows. What does your plow look like? Your, your plow might be the job that you have that is completely, completely and utterly away from the purpose that God has for your life. It's your plan, not what God's plan is. And you've settled to just follow your plan. Maybe you need to burn the plow and you need to quit your job. You tell me to quit my job? Yeah. If it doesn't fall into the plan and purpose that God has for you, quit your job. Because I'm here to tell you that if you're going to, there is no way that God is going to leave you hanging. He is going to bless you when you finally make the choice to burn that plow. Leave it. What's the plow for you? Maybe, maybe it is, it's the approach and the attitude that you have in the job that you're currently in and the one that God has for you. But your, your attitude is so poor that you can't fulfill the purpose that God has for you in that place. You need to burn that plow of your attitude. What's the plow that you have? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the choice that you have that you have made the choice to continually bring up your spouse's past. You keep using it against them over and over and over again to manipulate them, to make sure that they feel the guilt, to make sure they feel the hurt that they caused you. You're never going to experience the kind of relationship and marriage that God has for you until you burn that plow. What's your plow? Maybe your plow is the friends that keep dragging you back to the same old sin that has kept you in bondage for so long. You get into a place like this and you sing about freedom and you're excited and that lasts for 24 hours until you find yourself hanging out with the exact same people that have brought you back to the exact same place that you've experienced over and over and over again. It's time for you to leave them. If you want to have the parasauce kind of life, stop talking about it. Start doing something about it. You got to change. Some of you need to change your relationships. You got to burn that plow. What does your plow look like? What's the plow that, that is holding you back from the life that God has for you? Maybe it's this. Whew. It's the choice of unforgiveness inside of your life. Of everybody. Everybody has hurt me, and so I choose to completely isolate myself from every single person that's around me. And you hold on to unforgiveness as if it's your safety blanket. Like that's the thing. What happens is you become a bitter person, and that bitter root sets in, and you have no relationships that can bring you to a greater life. What's your plow? 
I think for so many of us in the culture that we live in, in the places that we live in, in the communities that we live in, our biggest plow is a life of comfort, it's a life of safety. It's a life that leaves us in a place where we never have to trust God for anything. I got it. I'm good. And you've held on to that. And you can never experience the greater things of God because you've settled for your own comfort and your own safety. I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of talking about a parasauce life. I'm ready to live a parasauce life. I'm ready to live a greater life. You got to burn your plow. Somebody say burn your plow. Here's what I'm telling you today. If you want to have, if you want to be able to take hold of what God has for you, you got to give up what's holding you back. To grasp hold of the future, you got to let go of the past. To grasp hold of the life that God has for you, you got to let go of the life that you've been living. It requires change. It requires action. Don't just be a passive observer. You need to be an active participant. It requires a cost of you. It absolutely requires a cost. My hope is that you will, you will look at the cost. Because here's the reality, is that there really is a risk. There really is a risk for reaching for greater, but the real risk isn't reaching for greater. <laughs> the real risk is staying stuck in the life that you have. See, that's the real risk that comes around. When we look at the cost, too often we're looking at the cost of what we have to sacrifice to get to greater. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. That cost is too high. But the cost of not going after it is even greater than the cost of reaching after greater. Too often we find ourselves stuck in that mindset. We got to start to think about what is it going to cost me if I don't reach after greater. Because that's the life that many of us choose, and that's the life that somebody who was running after greater chose as well. See Mark chapter 10, there's a man, young man, young man ran up to him. Come on now. How did he respond? He responded, he responded in the first way, the same way that Elisha did. He started running. He was running. I'm running after Jesus. I'm running after a special moment, right? I'm running after this special moment. That's the exact same thing that Elisha did. That's the same thing that many of us have done. We're like, man, I'm running after it. I'm here on church. I'm at church during fall break. Come on, doesn't that get some credit, right? Some of y'all are like, oh, that's where everybody's at. Yes, yeah, fall break season. Can't wait till it's over and done with, man. You're running after it, but then God has something else for you in store for you. He says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. What must I do to experience parasauce? What must I do to experience the greater life that you have for me? 
And Jesus responds to him and he says this. He says, hey, you know the commandments, right? Like some of you in here, you're like, yeah, I know scripture. I've read scripture. I know what that's like. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. And you should honor your father and your mother, right? Students, I'm going to highlight that last one. Parents, you can thank me later, okay? Honor them, right? This is the way that you should live. You want to have a greater life? Jesus says you should do these things. Follow the commands that I've already given you. And some of you might be in the place, just like what the young man said. He was like, cool. I've done those things. Fantastic. I should be able to experience the greater life that you have for me, right? And then Jesus says, okay, great. Now I'm going to push you just a little bit further. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Remember what I said. It's not out of condemnation or guilt, but it is a challenge in a loving manner that there's something greater in store. And he said, one thing that you lack. There's been something that is holding you back from experiencing the life that God has for you. There's one thing that you lack today. You need to go and sell everything. Give it to the poor. And then, then you're going to experience a greater life. There's one thing that you've lacked, and, and that is holding on to your plow. The one thing that you've lacked is that you've, you've said, I, I trust you on a Sunday morning, but I'm going to trust myself on Monday. The one thing that you lack is that you, you say, you know what, God, I'm cool reading your scripture, but, but go ahead and bless the life that I'm still living. I'm, I'm not willing to be able to, to go that far. I'm not willing to be able to take the next step. I've run after you, but what you're asking for is too much. And you might be sitting in the same place as this young man. Because when Jesus said that to him, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. Because he couldn't make the choice to burn his plow. He went away sad. Because the cost he felt was too great to follow Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that the cost of not burning your plows is even greater. Because we don't even know this man's name. But we know the story of Elisha. How many other people did Elijah go to and throw their cloak on and they didn't make the same choice? How many people did he have to go to before one man finally did what God was asking him to do was, was to burn the plows? That he went running after the moment, and then when the moment presented itself, that he said, I'm not going to have anything left to run back to. I'm going to leave that old life. I'm going to make the choice to change my life. I'm not just asking for different results. I'm asking for a different life. And I'm ready, and I'm willing to change my life. 
I'm ready and I'm willing to leave my life of comfort. I'm ready and I'm willing to go ahead and forgive the people that I need to forgive. Even though it hurts me so much. Even though it scares me so much. Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm ready and I'm willing to burn my plows. How many people did it take before one man finally did it? And we know his story because we get to see him follow Elijah. We get to see him walk in these steps where we get to, we get to watch how he grows and, and watch him become a follower, not of Elijah, but a follower of God. And then all of a sudden, this amazing moment happens and, and Elijah's getting ready to get taken up to heaven in a miraculous way. And Elisha continues to walk after him. And see, the greater life that Elisha had the greater life that he had wasn't just following after a prophet. It wasn't just to be somebody who would follow after him. There was a moment that came and he asked for something greater. And we see that in 2 Kings 2.9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. And then Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Because I'm not just willing and I'm not just settling for the life that you lived. I want a double of it. I want a double of that portion. I'm not just looking and settling for good enough. I want to be able to thrive in the greater life that God has for me. And that we see in a couple verses later, we see that that is bestowed upon him. That there is a greater blessing in store for Elisha. There is a greater blessing in store for you. That there is greater faith in store for Elisha. There is greater faith in store for you. That he got to walk in the greater authority of God. And all who believe in him can walk in that authority. Why are we settling for good enough? And why are we frustrated in greatness? When what God has for us is thriving in a greater life. That's the plan that he has for you. That's the plan that he has for me. But here's what I know. I know that change is so difficult. Even when it's obvious. I can tell you that, that there's been moments in my life where we had to burn our plows. There were moments in our life that we had to, my wife and I, we made the choice to burn our plows. That plow for us, that plow for us was, was serving a comfortable church in a comfortable city and comfortable ministry. People didn't have a lot of expectations on us. We just got to show up and be able to preach and everybody loved us so much, man. There was always resources around. We got to be able to do what we wanted, even though it was in the Midwest. Come on now right? It was comfortable. But God had something greater in store for us. And we burned the plow and we moved out to the middle of the desert so that we could start a church where we're setting up chairs and setting up stages and that we have lighting issues every single week. Come on now. And it is greater than anything that we could have ever imagined. I'm telling you, it is greater 
I'm telling you, it's not just me, but I know that Pastor Jonathan, that burning the plows for him meant that he was going to leave the business world where he was making a great living. And he said, God, I know you have something greater in store for me. And he left all that behind. And now he's in a place where he has to completely and utterly depend upon God. I know that Pastor James and his wife, that they burned the plows a long time ago because four and a half years ago, in a message that was similar to this, he walked up to me after the message and he said, Pastor, he said, because of what you said today, I am quitting my job and I am going into ministry. And I was like, hey, bro, don't put that on me, man. <laughs> and he laughed about it and he said, no, this is something that I know that God has called me to do. And I said, then let's sit down and have a conversation. And four and a half years later, still part of a, an amazing team, an amazing movement that God has going on here, that there are so many people around that have taken the choice when it is obvious to make a change and burn your plow. They've done it, and I know you can do it as well. You know the plow that you have. It's time to burn it. It's time to be able to run after the movement of God and leave nothing left Leave nothing left to run back to. That's the greater life that God has in store for each and every single one of you. Let me ask you this question. Are you ready for a greater life today? If you're ready for it, come on church, I want you to stand up today. Stand up today. Are you ready for a greater life? I'm sick and tired of settling for it, and I'm ready to go after it. I'm sick and tired of settling for it, and I'm going to go after the greater things of God. If that's you, I want you to sing it out today. I'm going to follow after you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm going to live like my chains are gone.